Hello and welcome to another episode of the Daily Remedy Podcast. Today we have Dr. Randy Cook, Senior Physician, Executive Coach of MD Coaches. He has an illustrious career that spans over four decades as a surgeon, wound care specialist, and policy leader. And now in his latest iteration, he serves as a Senior Executive Physician Coach under MD Coaches. And so with that, I would like to welcome Dr. Randy Cook. Thank you very much, Jay. It's great to be with you. Well, thank you. And I'm so, impressed that you get to do your work outside. I'm envious. <laughs> well, it's uh, raining where I am right now. It looks so nice where you are. Well, I, I appreciate the sentiment. It's actually uh, um, a choice made out of necessity because we didn't have a room <laughs> available. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, Dr. Happy Cook, accident. Happy accident. Yes, sir. Uh, Dr. Cook, before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about your career, which began as a surgeon and really took on various roles and how that led you into coaching? Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, I think my educational background could be described as relatively plain vanilla. Uh, I got an undergraduate degree in in biology from a very uh, well-regarded liberal arts college. And uh, from there, I went on to medical school. after graduation, I moved on to Augusta, Georgia, to the Medical College of Georgia, where I did my surgery residency. And uh, that was, you know, the basis of my training. But uh, I, I will mention to you that I think probably uh, the, perhaps the, the key component and the most meaningful component of my, of my education actually came uh, when I was not in school, uh, when I was employed mm-hmm. as an orderly for an entire year between my uh, completion of undergraduate school and starting medical school, I was employed as an orderly in the surgical intensive care unit at University Hospital in Birmingham. And that was really uh, 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 a significant experience for me. I didn't realize it at the time, but uh, reflecting on it, uh, it had a huge impact on uh, what would follow. That's interesting you mentioned that because you talk about your surgery residency as the basis of training, but you seem to insinuate that your job as an orderly in the surgical intensive care unit gave you a unique perspective that you potentially find more valuable in certain instances. Can you uh, compare and contrast the importance of these experiences early in one's career relative to the traditional training from medical school to residency and onward? Absolutely. You know, um, I think unquestionably, the vast majority of people that decide on a career in medicine, uh, enroll in medical school and, uh, uh, and graduate medical training, uh, before they have any uh, inkling of what life is like for a physician, uh, or what life is like for sick people even, but it just seems like uh, the thing to do. And, and people come into it for uh, all kinds of reasons. And, and, and we talk about this all the time in my own podcast, but uh, back to your question. Uh, so, so here I was employed uh, basically at the lowest rung of the uh, uh, clinical and academic ladder And yet I got to uh, observe from that distance uh, the actual care of sick people, uh, the uh, uh, deliberative process, the 
uh, thoughtful process, uh, the decision-making process that physicians make at the bedside uh, dealing with these uh, very critically ill patients. Uh, I got to observe uh, the uh, exhausting hours uh, that were uh, employed uh, in the intensive care unit where I worked, there was actually a call room for the resident on call uh, within the confines of the intensive care unit. And uh, uh, since they were almost always male physicians, uh, uh, if somebody had to be awakened in the middle of the night when, when I was there on my night shift, it was my job to go in and uh, wake these fellas up and uh, uh, persuade them that it uh, was important for them to be at the bedside and, uh, and get an idea of uh, just how physically demanding the, the work would be. In addition to that, it was intellectually stimulating for me because I got to hear some of the greatest heart surgeons in the world mm -hmm. talk at the bedside about uh, cardiopulmonary physiology and the natural history of different uh, congenital heart diseases and acquired heart diseases. That stimulated me even before I was in medical school to go to the bookstore and uh, buy some books and uh, start reading ahead of time. So, I mean, it just had a huge impact on me. And, um, uh, you know, things that I learned about what it's like to stand uh, in the shoes of a physician, uh, I was able to observe from a distance before I ever got in medical school. And it was a great opportunity for me to make a decision about if this was really for me uh, or if I should go another way. And obviously I chose uh, what I chose and have never regretted that. Well, uh, I really like what you said. <clears throat> life is like for physicians and what life is like for sick people. In your coaching, when you encounter physicians who have high aspirations, who want to succeed, but may lack a certain component or may struggle in other aspects of their life, does that experience come back to you this whole component of understanding life outside of medicine to be better in medicine i think absolutely um and it's not so much that uh i can point to that experience uh and uh uh come up with uh some question uh for mm -hmm. the person who is being coached or uh advice for the, for the person who is being coached, but it does help me uh, formulate more reflective questions. Uh, uh, I, I think that my understanding of uh, where the pressure comes from uh, in the practice of medicine is really profound, largely because of that uh, early experience that I have. And part of coaching, and in fact, the most important part of coaching uh, comes from the ability of uh, the coach to uh, ask the right questions. It's not so much about uh, uh, giving advice as, as it is inviting the person who is being coached to really think about uh, where they are in life and where they want their uh, uh, life to go and uh, uh, what are they willing to uh, accept in terms of challenges and struggles uh, on the way to get there. I really like how you phrased that, where you want to ask the right questions. And I think that's a, mm -hmm. a critical skill because as you can attest to, often physicians being so successful in their career are not aware of what they don't know. It's one of those things, uh, unknown unknowns. And you seem to insinuate that in your coaching. Can you give an example where you help elucidate out a certain mindset or a certain thinking in a client? 
Yeah, um, it's obviously different for everyone, uh, but uh, many times uh, when a patient comes to coaching, uh, it might be that they're simply dissatisfied uh, in a medical career and they want to think about something else, uh, or maybe they are dissatisfied and um, uh, they would like to stay uh, very much in a clinical role, uh, but they want to be able to influence. So uh, the ability to uh, step back, uh, look at the big picture, uh, think about the many, many things uh, that impact uh, on a physician's way of life, not only at the bedside, but in the boardroom, uh, if you will. Uh, those become important things for a person who is being coached to think about. And it's not that as a coach, you can say, now, look, this is what you uh, can expect, and this is what you must do. But it's more about uh, laying out these situations and describing uh, the sorts of uh, situations and experiences that a person will come to in whatever role they uh, are contemplating and challenging them to ask themselves the question, the very introspective question, uh, is this where I want to go? And do I really want to take on this challenge? And then it's up to the person who's being coached to really make that decision at that point. Uh, that was a very articulate way of phrasing it because you wanna lay out the situations as you mentioned so that they have some level of visualization. Is it fair to say that part of your work helps your clients to self-identify or you would say that's overly simplistic? I think that's a very good way to put it. Um, uh, many people who uh, find themselves uh, facing the challenges of day-to-day -day medical practice uh, suddenly have the realization that this is not what I thought it would be like. And that's understandable for two reasons. One is, is that they've uh, never experienced it. And the other thing is that I think that the, the very uh, uh, nature of uh, medical care delivery changes on a day-to-day -day basis. And again, uh, I'm very fortunate that uh, I've had the opportunity to practice in just about every type of clinical situation that a person could practice in. I started in mm -hmm. a gigantic multi-specialty group. I moved on to a single specialty group. I even moved uh, against uh, advice from other people uh, into being a solo practitioner. <laughs> uh, and then finally, uh, uh, literally reinvented myself uh, in, in a different specialty with uh, wow. wound care and hyperbaric medicine. Uh, as the medical director and the management and the manager of uh, a chronic wound care clinic and hyperbaric medicine center, and so uh, you know, I when I was 25 years old, I never envisioned that I would have that kind of experience uh, toward the end of my career. But that's the way it worked out. And so, yes, definitely, I think uh, I think that has served me very well to at least recognize uh, the variety of situations that uh, people might experience in medicine. And obviously I haven't been in all of them, uh, but I have uh, uh, had to 
face the decision-making process at uh, different stages of my career? Am I going to keep doing what I'm doing or uh, does it make sense to move along and do something else? And those can be tough decisions. And it's very important that people uh, think of the right questions and ask themselves the right questions before they make those uh, very important decisions. And, and that's where the value of uh, uh, professional coaching comes from. I'm glad you mentioned that. And first off, congratulations on your ability to reinvent. That's uh, something a lot of physicians struggle with, particularly with burnout in this day and age being such a major issue and lending to the value that you can provide so many physicians that are struggling with burnout. Before we get into the issue of burnout, uh, and I think this would be a nice segue, can you talk about your own ability to reinvent and how that helps you coach those who struggle with the art of reinvention? Sure. Um, and uh, you bring up a very good point. Uh, everybody is going to have to reinvent themselves. Yeah. Uh, I practiced <laughs> medicine for 44 years. What it looks like now doesn't even resemble uh, what it looked like in uh, 1980 when I started my practice, not only because the uh, science uh, has advanced, but uh, because the, uh, uh, gosh, I hate to call it the business of medicine, but it is, you know, the, the, the way we actually deliver medical care and the mechanics behind it uh, have changed dramatically. Uh, in my case, uh, you know, nobody was talking about coaching back in those days. So it was simply of a, a matter of, uh, uh, looking at the alternatives uh, and making a decision on my own uh, and hoping that I was making the, be the best decision. Uh, you know, sometimes reinvention is uh, a personal choice. Uh, we have uh, potential clients that come to us and they say, you know, I think I really want to do something different. Uh, and, uh, not exactly sure what it wants to be. So the avenue at that point becomes, well, let's have a lengthy and detailed conversation about uh, where you think your strengths are, where you think your weaknesses are. And uh, hopefully we, we, by having that conversation, uh, we, can, um, we can help you uh, make the right choice. Uh, the other example might be, you know, I taking care of sick people is the most rewarding thing that I've ever experienced. And I want to do it forever, but I think we need to make some changes. I, I don't think we're doing it right. I think uh, uh, we can do it better. So the reinvention at that point becomes uh, uh, stepping uh, into the role, the role of leadership and at MD coaches, we, we think, we hope our goal uh, is to, uh, be able to uh, facilitate particularly those types of uh, individuals that want to make the practice of medicine better. Some people really need to, to get out of clinical practice and that's an understandable thing. Uh, maybe it was just not the right decision for them to begin with, or maybe they feel like uh, they have uh, advanced uh, as much as they can and they just wanna do something different. Uh, and we're certainly available 
to assist with that, but uh, we're very concerned about people that are practicing medicine and uh, uh, suffering from this uh, massive phenomenon that we call burnout. And we would like to be able to help them not only overcome their own burnout, but perhaps help relieve the burnout that they see all around themselves as well. Now, that's a great point you mentioned, the burnout related to the working conditions, related to, as you alluded to, uncertainty about what to do and how to proceed in their career. Uh, Do you see burnout and uncertainty as one and the same, or as kind of slightly different facets that you have to target differently? Um, Yeah, I I think they're different entities altogether. I I think it's, I think the burnout is the precursor to uncertainty. It causes people to uh, have to ask themselves, uh, am I in the right spot? And that certainly is the right question to ask. Mm-hmm. But a much more important question and a much more difficult question is uh, once you decide that this is where you want to be, how are you going to um, uh, adjust your uh, way of thinking uh, so that you can tolerate uh, the pressure that you have and then uh, formulate the next steps to uh, how you become a process, how, how you become uh, a part of the solution. No, I, I like how you phrase that, tolerate the pressure. And you yeah. alluded to that before, where you talk about asking questions to identify where the pressure comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that part of your work in identifying what is the best course of action for your clients and evaluation of the pressure? It is absolutely key. To the process, you know, nice. uh, and and we've uh, we've all heard this most of our lives. Uh, uh, you know, many times you have the answers, but you're not asking the right questions. Yeah. And uh, when you are completely demoralized uh, because of the conditions that you practice in, it gets to be very difficult to think about what questions that you should ask. And yeah. uh, I think that's where we come in. I, that's a great point because there are so many physicians who are completely demoralized by what you stated, the medical delivery changes in which they mm-hmm. find themselves disenfranchised in a certain way. Uh, to those, do you recommend, as you had mentioned before, a potential career change out of clinical medicine or a career change upward in clinical medicine. I know that it's different for every person, Mm -hmm. but how would you approach an initial client who comes to you in that position? Yeah, I I think the the key to that um, boils down to forcing the question. You say to the client, look, this is something that we need to think about. You need to ask yourself, uh, uh, is the bedside a place that means a lot to you? Is it a place where you want to be? Uh, And if it is, then your only alternative is to uh, take the reins and uh, change the course of things so that it's uh, better not only for you, but for the patient as well. Uh, On the other hand, if you think that you've done all you can do at the bedside, the, the, the figurative bedside, there's absolutely nothing wrong uh, with stepping into uh, a totally different kind of role. Uh, and there are lots of them, as you know, you know, there, there, there are, uh, there are opportunities uh, in uh, 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 product development or mm-hmm. uh, product distribution or uh, 
uh, management of hospitals and management of uh, medical systems. There, there are a great many things that your experience uh, as a physician can lend to things that are not strictly bedside medicine. Uh, and if that's where a person needs to go, then they definitely need to go there. But one thing that we would like to do is um, kind of stop the bleeding of all these people that would really love to be great physicians, but they just can't uh, do it in the environment that they face right now. So for those clients, you would recommend remaining in clinical medicine, just in a different capacity? You know, I'm not so sure that I would say recommend. We, mm-hmm. we try not to do that. We try not to be uh, fair enough uh, uh, employment counselors. Uh, but we do want to be able to help people really look deep inside their soul uh, and understand uh, uh, what role is going to give them uh, the satisfaction to get up and go to work every day. And if they can figure that out, the rest becomes much easier. Yeah, that's, that's a great point because satisfaction is quite a unique personal concept, but it's common in the profession that there is a very low sense of self-satisfaction in the work they provide. Mm-hmm. Is that something unique to this generation or is it something unique to how healthcare is changing, as you had alluded to? You know, I... It's a great question, Jay, and I'm not so sure uh, I can speak to the generational difference. I'm sure that it that it that it has uh, some sort of an impact that it does uh, fit into the process. But um, uh, the evolution of the way medical care has been delivered in the past, as opposed to uh, how it is delivered now, I think uh, has uh, had the effect of robbing uh, the practitioner of the uh, satisfaction of being connected to the patient. Uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally, uh, physicians, because they have become more like employees and less like uh, independent providers, uh, they have been, um, they, they have seen their connection with individual patients, uh, really go away. Uh, they, uh, have become, uh, in many instances, data entry clerks. Um, they are looked upon by uh, corporate managers uh, as a producer of uh, RVUs. Uh, and that nobody goes into medicine to do that. You know, well, I shouldn't say that, but I think mo- most of the people that uh, choose a career in medicine do so because uh, they have an altruistic spirit. Uh, yeah. They have uh, a desire to uh, really make a difference in people's lives uh, and to step in and provide a, a very highly skilled surf service uh, that is uh, sometimes the difference between life and death, more often the difference between uh, a healthy and comfortable life and a life of disability. And uh, if you have that taken away from if that was your 
uh, thought when you uh, decided on a career in medicine. It's just devastating to have yeah. that taken away from you. It really is. And I think that it makes your service and what you're providing all the more essential. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit on clients who may be hesitant to come to your service, but could benefit in greatly from your services. There's still a certain hesitancy or stigma in the medical profession relative to others yeah. about seeking help. Uh, to those who may be on the fences to say, hey, I need a certain type of coaching. I need a certain level of self-understanding that I could mm -hmm. benefit from, but I'm hesitant. What would you say to those physicians? Yeah, I think that's the best part of uh, having coaching available to us nowadays. You know, in the past, if you were um, uh, suffering what looked to you and everybody around you like depression, you thought uh, that your only alternative would to be go get uh, uh, medical help or psychological help. And there's a certain stigma that goes along with that. But when you're dealing with a coach, there's none of that. You know, the, the dealing with a coach gives you an opportunity to sit down uh, uh, with a person who is not going to judge you in any way, shape, form, or fashion, and allow you to talk about what's on your mind and to react uh, and to, to, to validate your disappointment and uh, to uh, validate ideas that you have about uh, uh, how to make your own life better. And they're not uh, uh, prescribe medication, not to prescribe therapy, but to give you an opportunity to clearly think and, and, and verbalize uh, all of the things that are in your head with no judgment whatsoever. Uh, and that can be very, um, very liberating. Uh, and I think that's probably the most important thing that coaching has to offer. You talk a lot about this concept of connection, and it seems that one of the biggest benefits, uh, most apparent benefits, is the connection you provide to your clients, the connection you allude to for patient, for physician satisfaction. Uh, it, it, talk a little bit about how you try to build that connection with your clients and what you see as the bridging steps to build that connection? Well, it's, as you might guess, it's uh, much more simple than you might think. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is, uh, and, and particularly uh, having worked as a physician, having um, uh, seen the evolution of medicine over nearly a half century, uh, it gives you the opportunity to say, uh, you know, I've already been where you've been. Uh, I've seen what you've seen, and I've seen some of what you are yet to see. Uh, and uh, you have every right to uh, be concerned about what's going on. And I think that's the most important step is to uh, validate and uh, give uh, the uh, person who is seeking coaching an opportunity to say what's on their mind and to validate it. To tell them this is real. This is not something that you're uh, imagining. You're not failing here. Uh, yeah. you, you, you are feeling what you're feeling. Uh, because of some very real uh, uh, experiences that you live through day in and day out. 
and it is very important for you to ask the questions that you're asking uh, and let's figure out uh, how you're going to approach the things that are dragging you down. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm really uh, glad that you're providing this opportunity for so many physicians. It's something that's truly needed. Uh, before I let you go, I want to ask one final question around the issue of connection and validating people's response. Uh, previously in your career as a surgeon or treating patients with wound care, uh, you may not have had as much of a connection maybe with some of your colleagues or some of your patients as you do now as a coach. How is communicating and connecting with other physicians on the level you are doing as a coach help make you a better physician, a better provider of care? Well, it's, it's very gratifying. Um, I, <laughs> and I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Um, I, I remember exactly, uh, how I felt, uh, when I finished all my training and stepped out there and, uh, you know, I, I am the real thing now. And, um, uh, I would do it all over again. I wouldn't, uh, I don't know if I would say that I wouldn't change anything. I would probably be better at it because you, you do pick up some wisdom along the way. But um, I, uh, I don't even know if I'm get, getting to the answer uh, to your question or not. But um, um, the, the uh, opportunity to have that experience uh, and to understand uh, what it's like to uh, perform in the role of a physician, uh, told me that it was certainly the right thing for me to do. And I'm absolutely confident that for most people that go into medicine, it's the right thing for them to do as well. Yeah. But the, the, uh, circumstances, uh, in which we are trying to do that, particularly in this country today have changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because uh, medicine has become more corporatized yeah. and uh, learning how to think like a corporate executive is not something that anybody acquires in medical school. It's just no. not part of the process, but it's here. And uh, I think it's critically important that uh, we uh, reassert ourselves as an expert culture. We have every right to say to the corporate executives, look, there is something about your product that you don't understand. You know, these, all these yeah. uh, RVUs that you're accumulating uh, result from something that we as physicians understand in a way that you do not. And in order for us to do it correctly for our patients, you need to listen to us and for us to be able to uh, stay here and continue to function uh, without being perpetually burned out, you need to listen to us. So we need to learn how to deliver that message uh, to the people who uh, rightly or wrongly or whether we like it or not are going to be uh, in a position of controlling how we do things. Medicine is very yeah. expensive to deliver and it needs to be done. It needs to be delivered in a, in a way that is fiscally responsible. But the, uh, the, the people who have nothing but a corporate training 
cannot do that effectively. They can't do it uh, in a way that will be financially responsible for them in a way that will be clinically responsible for their customers. And I hate to call them customers, but that's what they are yeah. uh, to uh, corporate people. Then they, they will, they're going to have to uh, embrace physicians uh, and listen to what we have to say, not only to benefit the physicians, but to uh, uh, ultimately uh, be able to perform uh, um, uh, a, a fiscally responsible service to their uh, corporate board if, if they are uh, 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 a charitable institution or their stockholders, uh, you know, if they are uh, a for-profit hospital. It, it all fits. Uh, they need us, we need them, uh, and uh, they need to understand what we need in order to uh, make patients well and make patients satisfied and happy and glad that they came to the particular institution where we practice. Yeah, uh, I, I promised you last question, so I'm going to break that promise and I apologize. Well, I had plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> you said something that was really fascinating. You said reinstitute expert culture, meaning right. reinstitute the autonomy of the physician, the ability to make clinical decisions. Can you tease that out for the audience? Because I think that's a really important point. Mm -hmm. The important thing to remember is that um, what, in, in spite of the fact that it's a little bit um, uh, distaste for, uh, distasteful for us, uh, we uh, have to exist in the midst of uh, corporate culture. And corporate culture sees things uh, in a way that is uh, very easy to define. You can, you can uh, map it out on a balance sheet. What we as the physicians represent is an expert culture, which is totally different. It is very difficult to uh, value an expert. But, but by virtue of the fact that uh, the product that the corporate culture wants to present is dependent upon experts to provide it, we are key to the process. And if we're left out of the decision-making, it will never, ever work to anybody's advantage, neither the patient nor the physician. So the sense I'm getting, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that expert culture should be weighed against some of the more financial metrics and held in a particular balance? Or is expert culture done right, the fiscally right way to do medicine? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I would prefer to think that we don't have to work against anything. Right. Uh, I think uh, if, if physicians are doing their job correctly uh, and the corporate culture is doing its uh, concurrent job correctly, uh, good medicine will pay off. Yeah. It, it will be uh, a service uh, that pays big dividends. Well and, said. Uh, and, and the converse is also true. Uh, if, if we don't connect, if we don't listen to each other, then we both fail. Yeah. Dr. Cook, I, I really appreciate uh, particularly that last point, because I think it's one that a lot of people miss, that what we feel to be antagonistic concepts really, in a certain way, should work together. Exactly. 
And so I, I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your insight from both your lived experiences and through your many experiences coaching physician clients. Uh, clearly, we have a lot to benefit from your insight. And before we go, can you please let the audience know a little about your podcast and a little bit more about MD Coaches? So for those who are interested in utilizing your service, how can we get a hold of you? Well, for, first of all, I, I want to thank you. I'm flattered uh, that, that you think that I have uh, that kind of value. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's really gratifying to me at, at my age to be able to participate. But uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, who I represent. Uh, uh, I am part of a team called MD Coaches. Uh, I was invited to be a part of that team uh, initially uh, because uh, the, the founder and CEO, Rhonda Crow wanted to publicize the coaching business with a podcast, which I host. It's called uh, Prescription for Success or Rx for Success. We produce uh, a new episode uh, every week. You can find it by going directly uh, to the podcast website at rxforsuccesspodcast.com. Uh, you can also visit the MD Coaches website, uh, which is mymdcoaches.com. Uh, and in there, you will uh, find a link to the podcast. In addition to... Uh, uh, the, uh, the bios and introductions to everybody on our coaching staff uh, and ways to contact them. Uh, in fact, if you uh, go to mymdcoaches.com currently, I'm pretty sure this is still uh, in process. Uh, one thing that will happen is that you'll get a pop-up that invites you to subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, the first five people who do uh, after this podcast will get a free 30-minute coaching session. So you can actually uh, have an opportunity to talk to a coach and find out what that experience is like. Um, what did I leave out? No, I, I think you pretty much covered it all. I would just say yeah. uh, it, mymdcoaches.com. So it's M-Y-M-D-C-O-A-C-H-E-S.com. No punctuation or anything in all one word. That's exactly right. And so, when you get, you know, when, once you're in there, uh, all the coaches are there. Uh, our email addresses are in there. Our social media handles are in there. We're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, uh, the, the usual. The usual. Appreciate yeah. that. So with that, Dr. Cook, I want to thank you wholeheartedly for your time and hope that we can stay in touch for the months to come. Great talking to you, Jay, and keep up the good work. You're a good man. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Thanks.